0: I was sitting in, what does it mean by name? By name. It's not just our first name. It's not just our last name. There's a lot that's meant in a name. So what do you think of when you say your name and put that before the Lord? What do you think of when you say your last name because we are not the first in our families, are we? Something is meant by our name. I often tell my son, TJ, son, you're a fisher. That means something. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a Yurtin? I had the honor of doing Josh's dad's funeral, and I can tell you, it means a lot to be a Yurtin. So when the Lord says he summons you by name, he just doesn't summon you a generic you. He is summoning you individually, you with all of your life history, with back generations, everything that came to be through the generations of your family, so that you are here in this moment. With all the story, all the victories, and all the sorrows, all the brokenness, and all the glories. All of that, the Lord is summoning you by name. I turned um, 50 again this past Thursday, and the best, or one of the best gifts I got. Fortunately, my wife doesn't like to wrap presents, and so she put them all in one box, and it was this big box. And we have a lot of people in our family, and so she asked Luke, write out on Dad's present. And you see, my son Luke has autism. He's 13 years old. He's doing a great job fighting through, learning to write, and, but he does not like to say people's names. Or whether he likes it or not, he won't. I can't tell you the last time that he called me dad or called Shelly mom. He'll say you or him or her. And he'll call friends at school by a descriptive characteristic. But I think we can learn a lot from my son, Luke, who is so authentic. Something is meant by a name that is so intimate and so personal And his battle with autism is connecting, life on life. And so he knows, when he says a name, like when when he has said it, he literally covers his eyes and he has to look away. Reminds me of the burning bush. Moses, like, it's too much to take in, to say, Dad. Or Mom. But on this present, he wrote to Dad Fisher. Love Shelley Fisher. <laughs> Libby Fisher. Anna Fisher. T.J. Fisher. Luke Fisher. And can't forget our dog, Lucy Fisher. <laughs> Love Luke Fisher. It's the best. There's a lot meant in a name didn't even want to rip the paper, I had to go behind, so I could save what he wrote. But there's a lot in our name, and there's a lot in our stories, and there's, had, there's been things that have had an impact on us in our family history that we don't even put words to. The way that we do things is a reaction to things that have happened before us that we can't even understand. And in response to that, maybe spoken or unspoken, we make agreements and declarations that I'm not going to do this or I, I am going to do this. And through life, we have spoken and unspoken declarations that start to shape and form how we navigate life. A lot of them start with, I will never. So Liam, if you can put up the next slide. Like, when, when I was in high school, my dad, Walked away from our family. I will never leave my family. Well that sounds like that that sounds like a positive thing. That's, I will never do that. But if we if we start to build these, I will never get hurt again in that way. How am I gonna protect my heart from being hurt? Because that hurts. So I'm gonna start to put bricks and build a wall to protect myself from feeling that way again so as we start to make these declarations we start to build this wall around our heart and so when our life fails to align with what we envision because we all have hopes and dreams of the way we think that life is going to be we make a declaration about how we'll live moving forward to avoid the heartache avoid the brokenheartedness our life becomes the sum of these declarations spoken and unspoken And instead of entering in, I hit the eject button. I'm just going to journey out, and I'm gonna, my life ends up being a bunch of guardrails and landmines that I'm going to try and navigate and avoid anything that's going to touch those things and make me feel that way again. But we have a good God who's not going to let us live with those guardrails and avoiding those landmines. In fact, in his grace and mercy, he might even throw a couple landmines. He's like, I'm going to make you feel that even if you don't want to because I am going to enter and I'm not going to leave you there. He wants us to live into, because the thing is, is we can say, make these declarations and I will never do this. The reality of it is if all we have is a negative vision and declarations, we will never live into who God has called us to be. And the unfortunate fruit of it is we will become exactly what we're trying to avoid. But instead, God says, I have a positive vision for your life. I want you to pursue your heart's deepest desires in spite of the heartbreak. I want you to enter in. I want you to feel more. I know that your life isn't going to be how you wanted it to be. But underneath all of that, I see you. I see your heart. I'm calling you by name. I know the good desires that you have and we're going to persevere through, and out of that, you trust me to walk through it with you, and I am going to tell a great story. We're going to do that together. We're going to journey through instead of out. Because if we got to write our own stories, would we write a story that had heartache? Like, we'd be the hero. We would win the game every time. We would win the girl, win the guy, we, we, there would never be heartache. We would just live in continuous victory. But when God gets to write the story, he's after our hearts and our character and developing us and telling a story that's not with us at the center but him at the center. But he wants to partner with us as we lay our lives down and bring the kingdom on earth that it is in heaven. And the only way that we can partner with him in that is if we journey and enter in. So how do we do that? How do we get from the declarations and avoiding with the guardrails and landmines, and instead enter in? Because it's it's the unknown. I don't. How do I? I don't even know how to do that. One of the verses that I have loved and has been a, something I've continued to come back to over and over again is the beginning of Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus read from the scroll when he. Launched his public ministry, which is set forth in Luke four. So I was sitting in this a number of months ago, and I noticed something that I had never noticed before. So read with this with me and let's explore it together. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. As I read this, the Lord said, so who gets the benefit of these promises? It's all who mourn. Really? I have to mourn in order to get the benefit of becoming an oak of righteousness for the display of his splendor to get a crown of beauty instead of ashes? It says he bestows on them a crown of beauty. So let's go to the next slide, Liam, and say one more. Who are they? What does it look like Because it's hard, Mike t- did an awesome job of walking us through grief and mourning last week. And I want to delve further into what does that mean? Who, who is who mourns? What does that look like in our lives? What is the ca- characteristic of, of those who mourn? It's those who acknowledge that something really matters and it has been broken or ended. When we fail to mourn, we fail to honor something that really matters. The Lord wants us to honor the things that matter. And it could be something really dark and terrible like the death of a loved one, or it could be something beautiful like sending your daughter to college. But there's still a loss, a loss of intimacy, a loss of a phase of life. those who are willing to feel more without demanding immediate resolution? Are we willing to live in a place where we don't see clearly where the Lord is taking us and willing to trust the hand of the Father to guide us through as opposed to hitting the eject button and saying, well, I don't want to feel that. I'm, I'm out. They are those who invite Jesus to put the pieces of our broken heart back together. As we go through life, things happen and our hearts experience brokenness in a way that we were, never meant to experience, we were never meant to experience them. And in the Lord's journey and in his mercy and his grace, he wants to take a piece of your heart and give it back to you in a way that it will just take your breath away. And for me in my journey with the Lord, he often meets me and says, just ask me questions I want to answer questions. Be open and ask questions. It's a very vulnerable place to, Lord, how do you feel about me? It feels so self-absorbed and self-centered, but the Lord says, no. You are my beloved. I want to bestow on you a name. I want to bestow on you identity. I mean something when I'm talking to you. That is not a selfish question. Lord, how do you feel about me? What story are you telling? I know the story and the the desires of my heart, but I can promise you I never would have written a story where I have a special needs son. It just may have been for somebody else, but not for me. But I wouldn't trade Luke for the world. The story the Lord wants to tell is way better than the story we would write for ourselves. Thank God that we don't get to be gods of our own life. So not only, Lord, what what story are you telling, but who am I in the midst of that story? Lord, what did you mean when you made me? What are the deepest desires of my heart? Like, what are you after? Like, why do I love that? Why does that matter so much? Are we willing to feel more? Are we willing to not stuff down the things that as they come up, like, I'm going to avoid, no, I'm willing to enter in and ask the question, why? When that scene came on in that movie, Lord, why did I like start to tears down my face? It's an invitation. It's an invitation by the Lord to bestow something and to call you by name. Because the very things that have broken us are the very things that the Lord wants to renew and restore in you so that you may become an oak of righteousness for the display of his splendor. He's just going to tell the story in a way that you never would have dreamed or imagined. One of my favorite shows is called This Is Us. And it's something that my mom and I have loved talking about, and I haven't quite caught up, so she like badgers me, like if you watch the next episode, no mom, sorry, I haven't. But it's a, it's a wonderful story that's, in my opinion, and so brilliant because it takes clips from these, it's centered around three characters, a brother, two brothers and a sister. One of the brothers is, was adopted into the family, and they're the triplets. And you get to go back and you get to see them as young children with a young mother and father. You get to see them as they grow up, and then you get to see them as they turn 40. And then they'll even show clips from from their future. And so you get to see, and as you see them in the present, and you're like, why would you do that? What is wrong with you? Then you see clips from their past. And you're like, oh, I see. Of course. And you fall in love with these characters, and instead of standing over them with judgment, you start to, like, root for them in a way that, like, the way I believe God roots for us in our stories. And he doesn't stand over us. Why do you keep running away? Instead, he says, I will pursue you to the end of the earth. I will break through gates of bronze. I oh, will level mountains. So I love this, this show because it reveals something in me. And it gets me to ask these questions. Who am I and what are you after, Lord, in my story? So this one clip took my breath away, and it's the one I'm going to want to show now. So the sister's name is Kate, and Kevin is giving a speech at her wedding. And their father had passed away back when they were at the end of high school, and it had just devastated them because he was a great dad. And a lot of the show is about how do they deal with their dad's death. And you get to go back and you get to see how he poured into them and then the lack of his presence in their life as they experience these milestones like a marriage. And so listen to to Kevin's speech to Kate at Kate's wedding.
1: My my brother and I have been going, uh, well, a little bit crazy the past couple of days. We were going crazy because we we wanted to make sure that this day was perfect for you, Kate. And the reason we wanted to make sure this day was absolutely perfect for you is because that's thats what dad would have done. He would have made it perfect for you. And uh, if he were here, he definitely would have looked at you and he would have said, Katie girl, in your life, you have never looked more beautiful. And you do right now. And he would have been right, by the way. Beautiful. Um, Mom, Randall. Uh, earlier last year, Kate said something to me that was profound. Uh, she said, "Kevin, if you don't allow yourself to, to grieve Dad's death, it'll be like taking a giant breath in and just holding it there." the rest of your life. I, at the time, I didn't want to hear any of that. You know, I, I didn't. Um, but here we are. It's, uh, one DUI and a rehab stint later. And I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you were onto something. You said that to me. Um, I think we've all been holding our breath for a long time. And, um, so before we toast Toby and Kate, before we clink our glasses, I think, that the four of us should, uh, release that breath together. I think it's important that we do that, that we just let go of those things we've been holding on to, so... So here we go. time is up. Um,
0: Toby, Kate. That's fine. So I love Kevin's heart there where he recounts Kate sharing with him you don't mourn dad's death, it's like taking in a deep breath and holding it there for the rest of your life. And I think about the things that have happened in my life. Sometimes I take a deep breath in and I just hold it there and it's like it digs down deep so that we almost don't even know it's there until certain things happen and we Emotion comes out of nowhere and it's way out of line with what's actually going on and it's like, what is that? What is that? Why, where, why am I so angry or why am I so afraid? It doesn't even make sense in light of my current circumstance. It's because we've taken a deep breath and just held it. As opposed to letting go because part of it feels like we can control. If I can just hold on and control it, then maybe my story will turn out right. Or maybe I won't let people see my deep secrets. If I can just navigate life and influence and impact how people view me, maybe I can navigate and make it through. So I love the invitation to exhale. Accepting the invitation to stop journeying out, stop numbing the pain. You see, he had pursued sex and drugs and fame and emptiness. Finally he stopped and he exhaled and said, I need to acknowledge that the loss of my dad mattered greatly. I don't want to stop holding on. I want to let go and I want to invite. God to come in and interpret my story and I'm willing to feel more. I'm willing to journey through instead of journey out to get there. Because what's at stake for us is the very core of our identity and who we are. What's oftentimes the verdicts against us and the voices that we hear in our head feel so true and they go against the very thing that God meant when he created you. So this shame of I'm not enough, I've blown it, the things that I've done have disqualified me for this great life that God would have had for me if I'd just done it better and gotten it right. keeps us stuck and it keeps us continuing to opt out because I don't want to be exposed. And the places we feel shame are the very places the Lord wants to speak into. And he wants to heal our heart there and say, nope, that's not true, so that we can journey through and become an oak of righteousness for the display of His splendor because God is a pursuer and He won't stop until we allow Him to do it. A few weeks ago, I went to dinner with TJ at Alejandro's and um, didn't expect it to be anything significant, but the conversation turned to sex. He's 15 and something that I, he's an inquisitive young man and I knew that at some point he was going to ask me, Dad, did you, did you have sex before you got married? And I thought about how I might answer him and I thought about the impact of what I want to impart but also how he, his view of me and a big risk See, because sex, God intends it to be something that's so sacred and to join with another person and only that one other person. It's not that he wants to keep us from enjoying things, but instead he wants to protect so that we can enjoy in the context of a relationship that's so free and so good that if we cheapen it, we don't get the treasure that he has for us. And so as I shared with TJ how I had fallen short, and why I, I don't have a lot of regrets, son, but that is one I had. I have a regret there. I hurt your mom. But God, in his grace and mercy, can restore sexual purity, and he can restore innocence. The story's still being written. And I looked at him, and he says, what, dad, what? And I said, well, I just hope you don't think less of me see because i want to live into that name dad fisher that means something to me and tj looked at me with tears in his eyes he said dad nothing you could do would change how i feel about you i will never think anything other than that you're an amazing man I just believe that's the Lord. That was the Lord speaking through my son. So we paid the check, driving home. And I'm looking at the road and he says, "Dad, you know, Luke is great. I love my relationship with Luke. Like some of my friends, like they're not close to their siblings. Like Luke and I, we don't fight. We're close." See, one of the fears that Shelly and I had when we had Luke was I hope that TJ gets to experience this close relationship with a brother like Anna and Libby get to experience his sisters or like Shelly and I get to experience with our brother and sisters. He's like, man, Luke's the best. If I could give him a pill that took away his autism, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. He wouldn't be Luke. And Luke's the best. I said, man, I literally, I could not speak. So it was just quiet in the car. He said, Dad, are you okay? I said, son, I just, what you said was so sacred. that I just need to sit in it and I can't speak for a little bit. And as I've revisited that, like the Lord's words, like he is so gracious and so merciful. You see, because the places in my life where I have experienced shame, which have kept me stuck and have been the landmines in my life and the guardrails where I wanted to stay away from, are that it must be my fault because I didn't get it right. And so I try harder to get it right, and if something like Luke being born autistic, like that must be a reflection of God's heart for me because I didn't quite get it right. And the Lord has had to answer again and again, like Luke is exactly who I created him to be. And if you'd written your story, you never would have had Luke. But I know that you were Dad Fisher for him. And like I'm telling a better story than you ever would have told Thank God. And the fears that you and Shelley have about Luke as he grows into an adult and that you're going to die before he does, like, I love Luke more than you do. I've got him. Enjoy him. Enter in. And it wasn't in a way that was condemning, but it was freeing, like, thank you. Like, you mean I don't have to, like, try and earn more money because you can never earn enough money to take care of him for the rest of his life. If that's what you're putting your hope in, like stop. Stop doing that. Stop trying to earn or get it right or be a driven perfectionist like I have freed you from that. Really? Can God be that good that he can speak into the deepest fears and the shame and the The things that we're like, if I don't control that, it's it's never going to go right. And the Lord's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to speak into. If you will just let me have ears to hear, I will speak into that. And then the freedom, like I don't even know yet what the freedom from that looks like. Like this is all in the last few weeks. But I can tell you I feel lighter and I feel like I will be able to live into my name Dad Fisher, for him, a lot better not holding on to the striving and trying to get it right and be perfect so that he can have everything that my heart would want him to have. The Lord's got him. So I know that sitting in this room, there are hard situations. You're going through stories you never would have written for yourself. And the Lord is right there with you in it. He just wants you to cry out to him and say, Lord, my story's not going like I wanted it to go. He's like, I know. It breaks my heart too. It breaks my heart too. I'm right there with you. So give it to me. Let's journey through it together. Let's stop hitting the eject button. Stop going to the places that numb your pain like we are going to go through it. And I'm going to tell a beautiful story with your life. Those places that have been devastated for generations, you see, we can stand on the promise of God, and there are generational sins that have happened in our family that if we claim the promise of God and stand on it, like we can break it. It is not destined to be true for us. Like we have the opportunity to partner with the Lord to break generational sin and to stand on the promise of God. And he is going to create in each of us a heart that is full and that we can live out of those deepest desires. And in that, we become a display of his splendor, an oak of righteousness that can restore places that have been devastated for generations. It is the greatest news. As great as you think God is, he is even better. And as personal you think he is, he is even more personal and more intimate. He wants to call you by name and everything that that means. And he wants to give you treasures that are in these dark places and root them out and bestow them on you. And he wants to partner with you to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Let's go back to uh, Isaiah 45 and claim these promises because this matters. And when we claim these promises, I think the Lord is so proud and smiling down on us and says, now let's go do some stuff. The Lord says to you this morning, I will go before you. I will level the mountains. So there's nothing too big. Nothing too big for the Lord. I will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Amen.